Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of Biomass. Happy you could join us. This is episode 210. We've got a bit of a leaner crew this week, but we do have a bunch of topics we want to cover, so let's get started with some introductions, starting at the top of the list with Soraya Zell. Hi, I'm Soraya Zell. I am a co-host here on the show, and I saw Solo. He saw Solo. I, I still have not seen it. Um, I'll get to it, but, you know, we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, Livy, you're up. I'm Livy. I uh, do some blogging and photography, and I don't know if I'm going to see Solo. I think I'm waiting for Amazon to put it on Prime for free. All right, and I am Pokey Draven. I obviously help host the show here, and I do the Dungeon Crawl series with Libby and and the resident uh, Monster Hunter fanatic, so we'll talk about that in a little bit as well. However, it is that time, two weeks post-movie launch, where we do our spoiler episode and talk about all the good plot details that we can't talk about before that for Deadpool 2. So if you have not seen the film yet and you care about spoilers, you need to skip ahead to later in the show. But we're going to spoil the crap out of it. So Deadpool 2, we kind of all talked about it uh, last week, kind of our thoughts, our feelings on it, if we liked it and whatnot. And I think overall we thought it was, it was really, really solid. Um, however, you know, there was obviously a lot of good points, I thought, throughout the film. And, and just kind of open to the floor, what was your favorite part of the film? Uh, the, Shirt talking. The, the mid-credits scene at the end. Okay, we'll we'll address both of those separately. So we'll start with with the shirt cocking, um, which was the best, well, one of the better scenes I think, where he gets his legs ripped off by Juggernaut, and then he's sitting there, growing back his lower torso for a while while they all sit and watch it come back. That was pretty good, wasn't it, Living? It just uh, it just made me actually think about like because I have a kid and uh you do do that where you just whatever your ass is out whatever but now that they say i'm like <laughs> that's great now i loved it just the vulgarity of it yeah i think uh, i remember i was reading a thing that actually originally um because in that scene when cable comes up and they're they're negotiating how they're going to handle things that he was just the cable was just going to pull out a cigarette and start smoking uh, but they thought it'd be more awkward if he just slowly applied lip balm while maintaining eye contact with Deadpool with, you know, his junk hanging out, slowly growing back, which is pretty funny. I, I would have actually liked to see both of those and see if I would, I would have liked more because lip balm was a little out of character, I think, for Cable, but it was a pretty funny moment. Though I, I do think that Zell kind of hit the hit the mark with the end credits being kind of one of the winning moments for me as well. With um... He fixed, I, I think that moved the entire story up like a star like the whole movie just went up like a star right then <laughs> he <laughs> because like he fixed decades of of movie travesty all in like two minutes it's true you know with the, all the weirdness that was you know surrounding you know the x-men universe and the marvel universe and, and the dc universe deadpool has officially fixed the whole thing by murdering the appropriate people and just making sure none of it happened. It was, that was great. And apparently that was like put together, like at the last minute, like originally they were going to have him go back and actually kill baby Hitler because they talk about that in the film. And then they go, yeah, okay, we're actually killing a baby. This might be a little too much even for us. And they decided to opt for that instead, which I think is not only far more appropriate, but way funnier um, for the end credit sequence. And, and there's there's a certain comedy too to the fact that they've been uh, they've joked about having uh, you know Wolverine in a Deadpool movie or you know for a really long time. And, yes, and 
Technically, he was. Technically, he was in it. He technically Just made the camo. Very, very, in a very grainy old <laughs> oh, footage. Like, yeah. I, I do also love how the film opens with um, Wolverine impaled on the stick from Logan, <laughs> spinning around with a little music box. That was that was great. I love that this this constant obsession he has with um, Hugh Jackman and, and Wolverine and all that um, carrying through for each film is just great. I also like, I think I mentioned it last time we talked about it, how uh, Wisecrack over on YouTube did kind of a breakdown of how Deadpool 2 is actually a parallel story to Wolverine, to Logan, in that it's, you know, you got this hero who's, you know, got a messed up past and he's very violent and he finds a kid and he wants to prevent the kid from falling down the same path and you know, at the end, the hero sacrifices himself to kind of teach the kid, hey, you know, you should live a peaceful life and not all that, which is great, except that Deadpool goes, actually, time travel, so none of that actually happened, but, you know, we're still good. So, you know, it's it's kind of this um, defeats the whole purpose of the film by completely undoing the whole motivation of the film, which was his girlfriend dying and cutting out the actual sacrifice part at the end, which, you know, supposedly teaches the kid the lesson. Um but yeah, I really like that. That was that that parallel there that, you know, at the end, basically makes fun of itself. But it was it was all fantastic. What drove me nuts was with his um thing. You couldn't fix the you know time back clock he had, but they fixed it so easily at the end. I was like, wait a minute, he, this could have all been avoided if he just knew that the X Men could just fix the damn thing. Well, that was another place where they essentially took their own movie plot and then rendered it irrelevant. Pretty much. Yeah, Rick Cable's like, well, I'm going to use my last charge to, you know, fix this whole thing because, you know, I want to save him. And then they're like, oh, yeah, no, we, we, we fix it. You can go back if you want. <laughs> like, 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 are you sure you still want to stay here and do some good? He's like, no, I miss my wife. That, that I miss my wife. He's like, if I, if I don't have to stay with you, I'll be better, you know. Which makes me wonder if, if, one, they'll ever actually tell Cable that, hey, you can go back. Which means they probably won't just to fuck with him to, you know, tell him later, just to find out how that's gonna go oh my god, oh my god on his deathbed yeah he's like, back. oh yeah this thing you never asked so we just never told you sorry buddy i am curious if he'll be in the next film i i, I hope they maintain some of the characters because domino was awesome cable was awesome um colossus was obviously a, a fairly large part in the whole thing but like um negasonic I... teenage war it was very minor like she just was in there for like a second I think we need to talk about the uh, the the big elephant in the room that uh, was that they they really promoted this movie as being like an X Force like yes. you know introducing the X Force was such a huge promotional thing and that took about five minutes to kill them all <laughs> to kill everyone which I also love because he goes back in time and could have saved all of them and just says, fuck it, I'm just going to save Kevin. The rest of them, they're, they're gone. <laughs> like, well, well, Kevin was the only one that was just kind of like, I'm just here. The rest of them were like, yeah, we're going to do this. It's like he was the innocent bystander. He wasn't supposed to be there. Oh, yeah, no, that, that was great. We, again, it was kind of that subverting the whole expectation. Like you said, they were, it was going to be this big X-Force. And they're like, wow, I didn't think they were going to jump into that so soon. And they're like, yeah. Yeah, we might have jumped a little too soon. Is the problem? <laughs> well, like you know the the uh, the interesting thing was, and I think this is maybe kind of some meta to that joke, is that they had actually talked about really early on that the studios were more interested in doing like a big like since the the premiere, you know, the first movie was so successful. Like, oh, let's throw a ton of money at it. Let's do this big budget thing, and. 
Ryan Reynolds was like, no, we want to kind of do what we were doing, you know, that, that kind of worked in the first place. And I kind of get the impression that that original intent may have been, you know, we're going to do this big giant X-Force movie thing. And, uh, you know, the joke may have been, you know, sure. And then we killed them yeah, all. Yeah, we're doing that. And then they last all of five seconds. No, that that was that was really good. I, I like that a lot because I was kind of like, oh, I don't know much about this X Force thing because you know I, I don't follow it as closely as like you know uh, Jay does. And then I was like, oh, <laughs> I guess we're not gonna ever find out anything about them, um, except for Kevin, who does have the best Twitter account on on uh, out there. I uh, I don't think like my guess is that because I think there still is intention to do some X Force movie stuff, but I think that they probably didn't really care for those characters anyways. You they know, seemed a little like, weird. I think the people that survived make a better cast, you know? Yeah, that's how I saw it. That They really were like, this is going to be X-Force, and then they're just like, no, never mind. Yeah, no, I, I think it's good. I, I kind of like the, the lineup they did at the end. I was like, okay, yeah, this, is a, this is a good group here. We could have some fun with this. So, you know, obviously they'll do another one. They And actually, Livy and I were talking about this in the theater. It's nice that they don't set it up with this like stupid cliffhanger oh there's gonna be a sequel it's just kind of like it's done it's over with you know and you could obviously do a sequel but it's not this meant to be this like required sequential uh, you know stream of events so i i do like the, how they kind of handle that but let's be honest they'll probably do a trilogy for this thing and then call it quits because they don't want to milk it to death but i think three films is probably a a good place to stop but yeah overall really good film um definitely worth watching i think that we all kind of had pretty pretty positive reviews of it a little mixed on uh if we thought the first the second one was better but i think for the most part they were both really solid flicks and i'm looking forward to the next one they'll probably pump out in a few years so it'll be good so looking forward to that so moving along to another movie which i had totally forgot was coming out because of deadpool 2 was the han solo movie which um you wouldn't saw this week is that correct Sal? yeah so what overall did you think of it? Spoiler free, of course. I, I thought it was pretty good. I thought the characters were good. Um, they really covered a lot of, and, and I don't think this is really spoiler territory, but there's a lot of, of uh, Han's backstory that, that was briefly mentioned that isn't covered. You know, the, the Kessel Run sort of stuff. And that's really where this this story lives. Um, I thought it was was pretty well done. They Chewy has like a lot more character work in this, I would say, than than previous outings. Um, it it was enjoyable, you know. Well, I mean, that's good to hear. the The unfortunate part, however, is that this movie's sales have tanked in the the second weekend it's been uh, out. Oh yeah, like oh yeah, a lot. I went. I we went on. I think I want to say it was Saturday Saturday night, like you know, and it, it was the late show. 10:30, but IMAX 3D, you know, at 10:30 at night on Saturday night, nobody was there. There were like 10 people in the theater with us, and and that was really really weird for like a Star Wars movie. Well, I mean, so to put it in perspective, sales from the first um, from the first weekend have dropped 66, percent and that this week, this weekend, this past weekend, it's only made 29 million dollars, which is really really low, like really low. So to put that in perspective, it's globally made 26.4, or sorry, 264 million so far globally. 
But in its second weekend to only make $29 million is absurd. Because Rogue One, which is kind of, I'd say, the fair parallel, because again, that's not a main series title, but it was you know kind of in the same setup. Rogue One made 96 in its second weekend, so over triple the amount. Um, and granted, Rogue One was fantastic, but it kind of showed that interest in this film. The people who wanted to see it have probably already seen it. Yeah, I do think, though, there was a lot of effect to being right behind Deadpool and really not far from, you know, for most people. A lot of people don't go see more than one movie in a month. And we're still really close after Infinity War, which was really the must-see of, of the year. Yeah. Um, I Like, I read a bit of an article on it, and someone was discussing the point that really, like, they're, they're approaching this, you know, Star Wars to try and do the same strategy they have with Marvel, where you have to go see all the different little, you know, there's the kind of main films, there's the little films that lead into it, stuff like that. But the problem is, is that there isn't, like, a, you don't have to see Solo. You absolutely don't have to see Solo to understand the rest of the movies. But you know that if you missed Black Panther, you're going to be very confused when it, when Avengers Infinity War comes out, you know? And so it has a lot less drive for that regard. Yeah, I think there's that that lack of a necessity and also just the, the close proximity to, to everything else. Because, I mean, like, like I said earlier, I went and saw Deadpool 2, you know, two, three weeks, whatever it was ago. And completely forgot that Solo was coming out the next week. So I was shocked. I was like, oh, crap, that's already? I thought it was months from now. Um, and because of that, I was like, yeah, I'll get to it, you know, sooner than later. So, it, you know, who knows when I'm going to go check it out. But it's uh, the drive just isn't there. Because like you said, people don't tend to see movies in that quick of succession necessarily. Because, you know, a lot of people have busy lives they got kids they gotta get a babysitter it can be difficult you know so trying to fire them off rapid fire like that is not always easy do you think that they're oversaturating the market with star wars right now because they also have marvel out there so frequently well it's not that they're oversaturating star wars specifically but just the number of franchises disney right. has and when i think about the fact that i'm like i went from uh, you know, a Marvel movie to to the Star Wars movie to like the you know the next movie I'm really looking forward to is the new um uh the new Incredibles movie. You know, it's Disney owns all of it and they're just back to backing this whole thing. Yeah, I mean it's and that's the thing. It's great that we have you know more stuff coming out, but it's also to a point where you in most cases cannot possibly see potentially all the things you want to see anymore because they're so frequent. I have no I have no life. Well I yeah, I know worry. but yeah, you're yeah. you're that guy. But for most people, um like like even like the T V shows, you know, we, we kinda of joke about how everyone has a Marvel show now. It's like you literally cannot watch everything under normal circumstances because there's just fifteen shows running. You know, you're yeah, dedicating no. a whole day a week all of it pretty much tv has buried me i'd say i only see about half the superhero shows yeah. on tv right now and that's a um, lot just at half too yes yeah it is it's 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 stupid um but uh and you know now we're in that season where i'm like i hope i can catch up on the shows that i you know fell behind on but then i'm also like seeing the new shows and going "Ooh, i have to add these to my list you know so you never really make any forward progress here. Um, I, well, it's kind of the question, too, of, like, do you have to see them all? I mean, yes! that's why there's so many, because you, you can see, have choices. No, you have, you to, have see to see every movie all, that comes out in the theater. All of them. All of them. Everything. 
Well, in the, the, See it all. The, the conundrum that comes from that, though, is that they're doing a lot of this extended universe stuff where different franchises are linked in sometimes very important ways. So like you mentioned, you know, Black Panther, for example, you miss that. You go and see Infinity War, you're going to be confused about part of that film because you're like, wait, what the hell's going on here? And so they almost kind of lock you into the if you want to participate in this universe, you really have to see everything to understand the whole scope of it, which is difficult. It's frustrating because you're going to want to understand the full scope of what's going on, but sometimes it's just not reasonable. Um, and that's kind of where they've gotten themselves to. And the, the tech industry has been doing this for a while where, you know, you really just need, you know, if you have a must have product, you know, you can have mediocre products that can and, and they win by the fact that they're connected to, you know, the main products, you know, yeah. and so that's that's the same approach. Like, you know, with the movies, if you want to keep up with your Iron Man's, your Ant-Man's, you got to end up watching all of them. And in the same way, like uh, so for like the CW shows is like Flash is easily the best, but you'll end up missing a bunch of stuff if you're not watching the other four yeah, it's it's clever marketing, but it's also very frustrating as a consumer because for that, you know, I was kind of getting into it and then I realized how much I would actually have to watch to understand it all. And I just said, forget it. I'm not going to watch any of it. It was kind of this all or nothing mentality I have. Where I'm just like, if I can't get the whole thing, it's not worth even trying to get half of it because it's this big connected universe. I'm going to feel lost if I don't do it all. It's it's, it's frustrating. But yeah, so I mean, that's that's solo. It, it's getting you know, decent reviews. I mean, it's not a bad movie by any means, but it just seems like uh, that the interest isn't there or people just aren't going to, you know, rush to go see it. So, I mean, this could be one of those slow burn films where it just kind of does okay for a long time and it, it meets its mark. But I mean, right now it it's still below its, its break even point, which I think, you know, like Deadpool, for example, in its third week made 23 million um, on the weekend. So it's already blown way past the cost of producing that film. So, I mean, it's, you don't expect it's, to break even in two weeks, but at the same time, it's like, in some of them, you, you really can. Yeah, but I mean, I, I mean, not only will they make over the long term, they will definitely make their money back. You know, it's Star Wars. It's the, There's a it's huge amount of marketing and merchandising around it. And, uh, you know, Disney will sell it for the next 80 years. And, and yeah, that's the thing is that the movies are never the money maker. They just drive the narrative. You make the money on the toys, the the clothing, the merchandise. That's where the actual money is at. So, you know, it, it's not a sign that things are in trouble. It's just kind of like a, eh, it might take us longer to break even on this film than we had hoped. But I thought it was good. If you if you're looking for a movie, you know, coming up and it's still in theaters, which it might not be at this rate, um, you know, I'd check it out. Sounds good. All right, so moving along to some more gaming-related stuff. So I wanted to talk about uh, Monster Hunter World, as I always do, and, and Zell can take a nap for the next 10 minutes or so. Uh, so Got it. Yeah, Capcom came out and was like, so, yeah, we're adding a new monster to the game. I'm like, cool, cool. It's, its name is Lunestra, and it's a female elder, it's an elder dragon female version of Teostra, which is an existing monster in the game. And it's uh, coming out tomorrow. So I was like, oh. And tomorrow for them is basically like, six o'clock at night for us on that same day so pretty much i heard about this and it was like the like that night i was able to play it so that was pretty cool i kind of like how they just like drop content on us it's not this like waiting game where they have to hype it up for weeks it's just kind of like yep here it is here you go uh so we've been playing around with that for a while um it's a tough monster like it it's 
really strong. <laughs> like you can't really fight it the same way you normally would. And I think that's kind of what I really like about how Monster Hunter deals with difficulties. It's not just the monster does more damage and you just get one shot by something you could normally survive two hits on. It's usually behavior changes or environmental changes or little tweaks that they'll do where the monster is like more aggressive and it feels like it's a different experience rather than the same experience that just does more damage. And I think they really nailed it with this. It's a very challenging fight, but it still feels fair and incredibly satisfying when you win because yeah, you're, you're dying repeatedly, but you're like, okay, I'm learning kind of the dark souls method of repetition to learn how not to die is just trying different things until it finally clicks. So really good fight. It's kind of a cool thing. They added this new mechanic where, uh, because it is the female version of Teostra, if they're in the same area at the same time, normally monsters will have a turf war where they'll fight each other, and then usually one wins the turf war and does a huge chunk of damage to the other, and then the loser kind of runs off. The, these guys have a bond attack where they basically do this combo attack, which will pretty much kill everything in the room if you're not like really far away or blocking. So you got to keep an eye on them if they're together and make sure that you don't get close while they're kind of doing their thing because you're probably going to get one shot. Um, that being said, if you do play this, uh, try to fight them separately. Um, either using dung pods or something to get one of them to run away so you can fight them separately because together they're very, very dangerous. Um, but overall, still a really good fight. And of course, with the addition of a new monster, it comes with um, a number of weapons themed after the monster, uh, two new sets of armor, and a new mantle. So you kind of get the full gambit of what you can expect from uh, a new monster being added. Uh, the weapons are kind of nice. They have a couple different variants you can get. Um, overall, it's a bit of a grind to get the materials, but, you know, like I said, it's a satisfying fight. And I think that a large part of what makes Monster Hunter work is that it's grindy, but the gameplay is so good that you don't really mind because the grind is fun as opposed to just repetitive and boring. So that's uh, that's a really good addition they've brought to the game. With that said, that comes with uh, a weekly event, as it often does. So in this case, they have a new weekly event, which is a tempered Lunestra, a tempered Teostra, and a tempered Nergigante on the same map at the same time, which is the first time we've seen Elder Dragons um, fight each other. It's really tough. Um, it took us probably, what was Lily like five or six tries before we finally got it? Oh, I think we only did like Was four. it? Okay. It just seems Yeah, because you have to kill three of them, which means it is going to take you a long time, and when you fail on the third one, it you, you feel it. But Overall, good experience. Um, if you haven't given it a shot yet or you haven't been successful yet, uh, what we try, which worked really well, is that Livy was running around using the wide range skill so she could basically group heal everyone, uh, which was really, really helpful because you take a lot of damage constantly. Um, and we kind of finally figured out that the best way to deal with it is to, because when you first come in, it's just Lunestra and Nergigante, and the last thing you want is to have Teostra show up and bond with Lunestra, so we'll actually kill Lunestra first, then Nergigante, and then uh, Teostra, because Teostra won't spawn until you kill one of the first two, so if you can get rid of her, you at least won't have to deal with that bond attack um, going forward. So, that worked really well for us. Um, other guys have said some different things, but for our group of three, which admittedly is not as many people as you're supposed to have, it, it worked out pretty well, so I'd keep that in mind. And for this event, if you are successful, you have a higher chance of getting Streamstones, which are going to be required for augmenting your armor and weapons, which is really helpful for the end game. So 
definitely one worth farming. You just kind of got to get your team's kind of strategy sorted out because this is not the kind of thing you just go in and, you know, kick them around and win. It's kind of a, a special strategy you have to use specifically for this setup. So keep that in mind. Right. So it's like your best bet is earplugs, fire poncho, wide range, and let Nergi sleep instead of killing him. Yeah. If it's like in our, in our run, we, I think we, we fought Lunestra, Nergigante showed up and they fought and she ran off and then we crippled Nergigante and let him go off to rest in his den. And we just left him there. Like, cause he's sleeping, he's out of the way. And that gave us the room to kind of finish her off. And then we went and blew him up and that was pretty good. And then we, we finished Tiestra and it worked well. So, you know, there's a ways, there's a couple ways to do it, but you know, that's what worked for us. Um, so I kind of be curious to hear what people have been doing to, to get through this one. Cause it is pretty challenging, but um, like I said, rewarding is very good. And uh, another thing they announced is an upcoming series of events. So they're adding something called arc tempered monsters. And these are basically a tier even higher than uh, tempered because people wanted harder content because, you know, we don't suffer enough in this. So the first one is an arc-tempered Kirin, which is terrifying because tempered Kirin is almost impossible. Uh, so if you kill him, you'll gain access to materials used to create the gamma armor set of the Kirin variety, which is an even higher tier armor. So good rewards, like really solid rewards. Just uh, it's going to be a pain. Uh, so he's going on this, I think, two weeks, I think he's running. And then after that, you're going to get Arc-Tempered Valhazak, which will be the first, uh, well, not the first, but another another Elder Dragon. So they're going to kind of continue this, I imagine, through all the Elder Dragons to kind of have this higher tier difficulty. It's going to be really, really challenging. We'll see. I'm not sure if our group is quite ready for that yet because we have to get some more decorations for our armor and stuff. But uh, overall, it's good to see they're adding more more challenging content. I like when it's actually difficult rather than just the same difficulty of what we already had. So looking forward to it. Monster Hunter has great updates and, um, you know, we'll keep you posted. All right, Zell, it's time to wake up again. I'm here. Okay, he's here. So tell us about Fortnite. What's going on with uh, Fortnite and PUBG? So uh, PUBG finally decided they had enough. Um, so they have, uh, they have filed suit in South Korea against... Uh, Epic Games for uh, for Fortnite and saying that it is a uh, you know infringement on their their copyright. Yeah, this is not going well for PUBG. Public perception is extremely negative about this because everyone knows it's all bullshit. And uh, PUBG has apparently been very bad at, f- at supporting their game. It's very glitchy, very buggy, and uh, does not work very well. Um, and people are like, we're waiting for updates, and you've been working on this lawsuit that is kind of stupid to begin with. Um, a lot of the evidence that PUBG has brought forth is really ridiculous. Like, you know, oh, uh, other games have frying pans as melee weapons, and we're the first shooter to do that, so they're just copying us. Um, even though I could probably name two or three examples of a frying pan in a video game as a weapon off the top of my head, and I'm sure there's dozens of more. It's it's really dumb, and everyone's calling them on this. And uh, I remember, so they've uh, their numbers have been really really bad as well recently. Yeah, Has it... it's been dropping pretty significantly on Steam. Um, Fortnite is increasing at at a higher rate, but it's definitely you can see there's some correlation there. So this could be PUBG's way of lashing out to try to um, I don't know. I'm not sure what their goal is here. Make back some of the money they could have lost or could have gotten, I guess. 
Yeah, if you win, you're getting you're you're really just getting a, a a paycheck, and and I think that's you know I mean at this point I I think it's it's not like you know a lawsuit is going to shut down Fortnite and, no. and you know um but they're probably hoping to get they're they're a little butt hurt over it because you know they worked with because they were second they best. With, well, they worked with the engine in the first place. They worked I believe they worked with Epic Games a bit in in making it, and then. Epic Games went and made their own, and so you know they're 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 butthurt. Yeah, and 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 lawsuits are how corporations address butthurt. It, it's this, this whole thing is just very fun to me though because if you look in PUBG, there are a lot of the assets they have in there are assets purchased off of Epic's asset marketplace, as in epic actually modeled a lot of the stuff that's in PUBG, and and they they purchased it legit like there's no nothing wrong there but it's kind of like so you're suing us for copying the game that you made using the assets in the engine that we made that you paid for it's it's a little silly and i mean the thing is is that they're trying to throw this lawsuit around and epic is no stranger to lawsuits before so there was um i think it was a game company called silicon knights um several years back that tried to sue Epic over the, um, what, what did they say? They said it was basically Epic failed to deliver a workable game engine. This at the time was Unreal 3, um, in that they were actually holding back the better version of the engine for themselves just to screw over Silicon Knights. And they were suing them for some amount of money. And uh, Epic kind of cocked their head at this and said, why would we do that? Because the way that our licensing works is that we get a percentage of your sales if you use our engine. So we would want you to be successful because we would make more money. So that makes no sense. And um, so that lawsuit was ongoing and Silicon Knights was suing basically saying that because that Unreal failed to deliver a good engine that they had to make their own engine to run the game they they were producing. So Epic said, okay, let's do this. And they launched an investigation into this new engine that the company had um, made their game with and was now selling and found that the new engine was using code that was copied directly from Unreal 3 illegally. So Epic then countersued for four and a half million dollars and won. So Silicon Knights lost their lawsuit and then got hit with their counter lawsuit for four and a half million, which the judge then doubled because of legal fees and that sort of thing that, that Epic had incurred during this whole process so epic pretty much buried these guys and that game was forced to be shut down and all copies destroyed and that sort of thing um did not go well for them so with PUBG suing them epic is now making noises about basically revoking their license for unreal 4 which would be and i'm not sure exactly how that would all work in the legal sense but basically making it very difficult for PUBG to continue to use the game on their engine and it makes me wonder if this is Epic's way of kind of going like, guys, back off. Like, we'd rather just kind of do our own thing. But if you really want to have this fight, we can have this fight. It's probably not going to end well for you because Bluehole is not that big of a company. Epic is a pretty big company. A fight between these guys is probably not going to end well for Bluehole. And I think Epic just kind of wants it to go away. I don't want to deal with it, you know. Um but I'm real curious to see how this is going to play out because PUBG has been making noises about this for months about this, this potential lawsuit. And I'm sure they've been probably working on it for a good amount of time since then. 
But for this to actually finally go down and on such weak terms, I mean, they're effectively trying to say that they copy, they branded a genre, even though their game is based off of a book called Battle Royale. And there have been plenty of other games with the same mechanics that came well before PUBG. I mean, shit, there was, you know, Hunger Games style mods for Minecraft that were effectively Battle Royale years ago. You know, it's this is this is an old idea. And it's it's. And they're not copy. It's a very different style at the very least. It's it's stylistically different. The engine, you know, from a technical standpoint, it's Epic's engine. And uh, there's yeah, I mean, there there are definitely like I saw one of the, the PUBG clones that got sued. And you could tell, you know, there's probably a reasonable justification for PUBG to sue them. But not for Fortnite. Well, and that's the thing is that Fortnite's sorry, PUBG is very generic yes. in how it looks. Like it's it's a good looking game, right? But it's not anything unique. And in like the the games you're probably thinking of those Chinese games that that came out. I think it was Knives Out and something else have a very very similar style to PUBG. As long as they didn't copy any of the assets or the assets are different enough, they're probably fine. I mean, it's obviously a knockoff, but. That happens all the time. As long as it didn't copy anything directly, I don't think that's going to go anywhere. But to that point, in case of Fortnite, like you said, completely different style. Like, not even remotely close to looking the same. I mean, you could take assets from PUBG and throw in a different game, and you wouldn't be able to tell that those were PUBG assets. If you took the buildings of the guns of the characters from Fortnite and stuck them in another game... You can look at that and go, that's a Fortnite character. You know, that that is very clearly a unique style that for, that Epic has developed. And it, it's 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 no question. And it's like I have nothing against PUBG, but this lawsuit is just frivolous. It's it's just them being butthurt because they were top dog and got do- knocked down to number two. And, and let's be real, these guys have made a shitload of money on this game. Like an exorbitant amount of money on 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 PUBG. And they're still throwing a fit because they didn't make as much as as Fortnite. It's like, guys, you had your run, cut your losses, and walk. You know, just support your game and continue to make money. It's ridiculous, and people are seeing it for what it is, and it's not making uh, Blue Hole look good at all. So, yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Spe- speaking of speaking of uh, Fortnite's kind of unique style. Uh, they have actually introduced vehicles for the first time. And this is the best and, ever. Uh, <laughs> Go ahead. And they're, they're shopping carts. Yeah. You can, you, can, you can ride a shopping cart the way you would at a grocery store if you wanted to look like a little kid. Yeah. Um, it's great. Um, and, and I think that that speaks to kind of the, the uh, experience in, in developing a really distinctive style around a game that, that Epic has. Yeah, it, it, that... You know, because I, I thought about, like, how would they implement vehicles? Because vehicles doesn't really feel right in the sense for for uh, Fortnite. And then I heard, because you said, hey, they added vehicles. I'm like, oh, okay, let's take a look. And then the freaking shopping cart pops. And I was like, oh, that's perfect. Like, that is so perfect with the tone of that game. It's kind of, like you said, kind of like a little kid. I mean, it's obviously a cartoon style, but it just feels right. Like that's something that those characters would do. So it's, it's fantastic. That was a perfect implementation, I think for, for what they could have done. Also, I've heard rumors that uh, they're actually going to be porting uh, Fortnite to switch, which I also think would do quite well. Oh yeah. I, I did hear that rumor. I forgot to put it. Yeah, on no, I, I got it on there, but it's um, we'll probably hear about it at E3 um, you know, next week or whatever, but uh, it makes sense. You know, the, the game is not exactly, 
Uh, it's a kind of a cartoony, cell shaded style. It'll run on Switch just fine, you know. So I think that makes sense. And it's kind of kind of impressive though that Nintendo has managed to really pull off the the wider appeal for for platform support for this. I think it's kind of a it's kind of one of those things like if you want to do mobile and you don't want it to be like a phone app. Oh well, we could do Switch, you know. I was thinking about that. This is the first time that Nintendo really feels like it's gotten a good chunk of third-party support. Usually it's just them and who they contract directly to make games, but there's all kinds of games. Like Doom, I think Wolfenstein was on it, Fortnite. There's so many third-party games that are being ported over to Switch. It's 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 incredible. I, I, I don't think we've ever seen this on a Nintendo console before. I mean, back in the GameCube era, third-party support was pretty solid. Was it, though? Like, what what games? Yeah. Really? Was it? it okay. Was. Maybe I'm yeah. not remembering correctly. Yeah. But the Wii and Wii U, I think, kind of didn't take off so well for that. I, I think the biggest challenge there is the control scheme is so different with Nintendo devices starting at that point. Like, they really lost the... What they lost was, you know, you, you'd have a game that comes out on all all consoles, right? And that pretty much ended when the Wii was like, well, now you need to make a custom control scheme to support this console because it has motion controllers with little sticks. Yeah, I think that the Switch, they 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 pulled it back a little bit and were like, we need to be a little more normal <laughs> with what we're doing and, and go a different direction with how we're unique. And I think that the Switch works well. Like you said, it, it gives you that option for making it a portable console but still not scaring people away with the hey it's a portable console because as we know those don't tend to sell very well in in the west and obviously the switch is doing quite well because of that kind of hybrid style it has so i think that's probably largely to do with um why they're getting good third-party support this time around okay so let's move along here to the kind of the topic I, I had mentioned last week um regarding e3 so E3 is coming up uh, June 12th through the 14th, and so we'll probably be recording another show before then, but that one probably won't air before then. So um, I thought this week made sense to kind of talk about it. So kind of two major topics, and we'll kind of go down the list. Um, if you have any, is games that are confirmed to be at E3 that you're really looking forward to, and games that you hope will be at E3 but have not been necessarily confirmed definitively that they're going to be there. So... Um, I'll probably start off. Um, I don't think Zell, you had too many of them, but I'm sure Bait and Libby probably have a couple, so we'll kind of go through. I mean, I'm excited about like the the new Tomb Raider, and I'm sure they'll show a bit more than they have so far. Oh, this is that. Uh, what's it called? Uh, I think it's Shadow. Shadow Tomb that's Raider right. This that's time. right. Yeah, I one had a trailer a few few weeks ago. That I think we talked about. So yeah, they had they had kind of the basics there. I think they'll probably show more gameplay. Yeah, stuff, then you though. can buy it and then not play it for a year. I still haven't played Rise. Okay, you can so, buy it and yeah. not play it for three years. Didn't you bitch for like a year about the exclusive contract they had on that one just because you wanted to play it? Yes, okay. I know. Okay. And then I never actually got to play it. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I know. Maybe, maybe I would have had time to play it when it first actually came out. If you weren't spending all your time watching Marvel TV shows, you'd have more time. That's, That's true. Um, no, but Square Enix will probably have a, a pretty strong, a pretty strong presence at E3. They they've been throwing their weight around, and they've got a lot of projects in the works that are not confirmed, but a lot of them I'm excited for, and will probably be there because it's it's about time. If you're kind of feeling that it's about time, we'll talk about that one in a minute. Um, but the ones that are confirmed to be there, um, three major ones for me: 
Fallout 76, that one kind of broke news this week um, unintentionally. It was meant to kind of be a a big announcement at E3, and it was kind of a leak that freaked people out. So um, really curious to see how this one goes, because Fallout has been always a single-player game, very story-driven, kind of Skyrim-style. You're going through big open-world quests, build your character, that sort of thing. So news of Fallout 76 came out, and this trailer came out, to kind of tease it for E3. And um, there was a leak saying, hey, it's a multiplayer only online game. And there was talks that it was kind of like a survival game like uh, Rust or DayZ, which really freaked people out because that is not the formula you would expect from a Fallout game. And so people have been losing their minds over this. Um, I'm not that upset about it just because I like those kinds of games. Um, but then Bethesda's kind of come out and said, hey, that's not really accurate to what's going to be going on. So just wait till E3 and we'll talk about it in depth. So people will lose their minds. But I am looking forward to this one because if it is an online multiplayer, preferably co-op Fallout game, that's really kind of my jam. Um, it's <laughs> what I really want is Borderlands 3. But if I can get multiplayer Fallout, uh, I'll take that instead. So Really looking forward to Fallout 76 to see exactly what it is and what kind of features it's going to encompass. But uh, big fan of that series and kind of curious to see which direction they're going to be taking this game. Um, the other one that was basically confirmed, it hasn't been like an official announcement, but uh, Hideo Kojima, who is the guy who did Metal Gear Solid and is now working on the game Death Stranding, has been posting some pretty blatant, hey, we're going to be at E3 with our game. Um, so this is a game that has had three trailers that come out um we have no clue what the game is about we have no idea what the gameplay is what the story is just that it has some celebrities that have been digitally put into the game and did a quite good job with it but it looks bizarre and weird and probably a game i would like because i like his style of game making so looking forward to see what they have to offer about death strandings at e3 i'm, I'm really hoping that it's going to be like actual details and not just another crazy trailer um i think it's been three years now that we've had weird trailers it's about time we get something that's uh a little more concrete so i'm looking forward to that uh, they're going to be there but i hope that the content is a little more substantial this time and my final one that we know is going to be there is of course super smash brothers for nintendo switch big fan of the series um, i never owned a wii u so i never played that version of it um, but I do have a switch, so it'd be kind of cool to get back into that again and kind of see what they come up with. So that should be a good one. Um, I suspect it's going to be what you would expect from a Smash Brothers game. It's mostly going to be just gameplay, probably um, character roster, that sort of thing. So probably no huge surprises there, but I'm looking forward to kind of getting my hands on it and hopefully a release date or something. So that'd be pretty cool. So Bate, did you join us? Are you here now? He didn't do a sound check, so we don't know if he's here or not. We'll have Livy go first um, then. So Livy, any games that are going to be at E3 that you are looking forward to? Well, you already said my big one. Death Stranding. Yeah, that should be a good one. Yeah, that should be a good one. Ghost of Tsushima. The original. The original is a little... Who made that but... one? That sounds familiar. Um... Let's see. Yeah, I forgot their But name. what kind of gameplay is that? Um, it's going to be RPG. Um, it's more of, I, I think it's supposed to be a strategic combat oh, okay. game. I think samurai riding horses. Oh, okay. This is kind of like a samurai drama. This is kind of like a samurai drama. 
Mm-hmm. But very historically accurate, like they've always been on point with actually having events. So you're kind of getting a history lesson as you slice and dice. Yeah, I'm not familiar with. Okay, yeah, I've heard of this one, but I wasn't familiar with the original one. So yeah, that should be pretty good. So it's a Sony exclusive, mm-hmm. so it'll be PS4 exclusive. That's that's interesting. Mm-hmm. That one, and then the Last of Us Part Two. Even though I don't think we got through the Last of Us. Part um, no, but I probably will if we pick up the second one because that would be a good one to get through. And that that game is really really good. Like, yeah, if you want a, a, a zombie game that's not just blowing away zombies because I mean, that could be fun too but if you want like a really story driven zombie game last of us pretty much nails it because it's so many zombie movies are about the zombies where this one's really about the people and dealing with the aftermath and i think the way the, what i liked about last of us um so much was it, it reminded me a bit of almost like um world war z the book not the movie um because it was about the people and how they deal with a zombie infested world it was really good and it was really touching story so that's a good one to look forward to as well so it looks like it looks like he lost bait, but he did put some things in the notes here. Um, so Assassin's Creed Odyssey is one that's going to be there. Uh, it looks like, a, as the name would imply, it's going to be in ancient Greece, which is pretty cool. Um, I have kind of since fallen from playing Assassin's Creed games just because they have... It's just too many of them. I can't keep up with it all. Um, but, you know, I'm always kind of curious to see which direction they take the story. And I'm guessing if it is in Greece, it'll probably have a lot of naval combat again, because... It's Greece, so that's always a popular part of the series, and I think it's kind of become a staple of that franchise. So I'm sure that'll be good. Uh, he also has Last of Us Part Two, and then of course Battlefield Five. We talked about Battlefield Five pretty extensively last week, so you know, there's that, um, and all the controversy surrounding that. So I'll kind of be curious to see how that story unfolds over time. Now, is there, are there any games that are rumored to be at E3 that you're looking forward to, or anything that pops out? Nothing in particular that's okay. sticking out to me right now. Um, for me, I've got a much longer list of things that are um, rumored or hopeful at E3. Um, so there was a trailer uh, from From Software several months ago that I was nerding out in a very embarrassing way, which I perceived as being Bloodborne uh, 2, which Bloodborne's one of my favorite games of all time. Um, and this trailer was like 14 seconds long and showed you basically nothing, but it was called Shadows Die Twice. Um, There's a lot of debate regarding if it's Bloodborne 2 or if it's another uh, game from a franchise that From Software has worked on before, but I have my fingers very tightly crossed that it is a Bloodborne 2 because I could really go for some more of that, some more pain and suffering in that world, which is fantastic. So I'm looking forward to that if it does happen. Um, another one that we know is going to probably be there because it makes sense and they've kind of hinted at it is kingdom hearts 3 uh, by square enix um this one has been very long and ongoing multiple delays very quiet about release dates that sort of thing um but it's probably about time it's it's been long enough that it, it makes sense it's probably about ready to go and a lot of the buzz on social media, Facebook, Twitter, that sort of thing. They've been showing off gameplay footage, that sort of thing. It's probably time for a release trailer and a release date on this. Um, my guess is probably still not this year. I'm guessing it'll probably be early next year the game will come out, but we'll have to take, take a look and see if they have anything at E3. Uh, and of course, the Final Fantasy VII remake. Uh, Final Fantasy VII is not my favorite Final Fantasy, but it, is, it was still pretty good. Um, 
the reason I'm excited for the remake is because Seven is a very weird game, and then it's got some strange things in it. I think that this is probably a good opportunity to kind of go back and cut out the weirdness and kind of bring the story more in line with a lot of the other pieces in that particular storyline to kind of make it all fit together better. Um, not to mention that some of the gameplay trailers they showed off were fantastic. Uh, only concern with this one is that they had originally outsourced a lot of the work to a third party, and then reports came out that Square Enix had severed the ties of that company and said they were basically throwing away everything that they had done because the quality wasn't there and they were just going to restart on it with internal assets only and just do it the way that they to the quality they wanted it to be so it's kind of already been in development hell who knows if it's gonna be ready yet or not it's been several years since it was announced but as we know with Square Enix games particularly ones that are run by Tetsuya Nomura he will take his sweet time with it so who knows I'm kind of 50 50 on this one if it'll be there or not it did show up on a supposedly leaked um, list of games to be shown at the, the Sony press conference. Who knows how accurate that is, so we'll see. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not really sure that'll happen or not. Uh, another item that was also on that same list was Devil May Cry 5. Uh, as someone who actually... I, I love the Devil May Cry series, and I thought that the DMC by Ninja Theory was also a pretty good game, even though it was so controversial. Um, if this is true... Really looking forward to it. I love Devil May Cry um, games. They're, they're really fun. And the fact that they just did a Devil May Cry crossover event for Monster Hunter kind of makes me wonder if it's going to be a new game that's coming out fairly soon. Um, the timing kind of works and makes sense. And they had already said that the next Devil May Cry game was going to be done. Like, it's confirmed to be a thing. Um, just no official announcement. So this could be a good time to kind of get some eyes on it. Uh, and again, that was kind of on that leaked list of games that could be at the Sony press conference. And my last one is an odd project. And I don't know if many people are tracking this, but Square Enix, this is the Final Fantasy guys, are working on an Avengers game. Um, so Marvel's Avengers. And it's incredibly unclear on what it is. There is like one short trailer where it, it doesn't really show much. It's mostly just like iconic avengers weapons like iron man's suit glove and the uh, and thor's hammer and that sort of stuff is kind of laying in this rubble broken kind of destroyed so it's kind of this dark take on something in the marvel universe so really not clear on what this is um kind of curious to see and what they're working on but again it's been a year or two since this has kind of been making noises so it'd be kind of good to get some more eyes on that one so i i don't know what that is or to even expect it or not but uh would be cool to kind of see something on that and what they're working on. So I'm looking forward to that if it, if it happens. Uh, and then Bate had on here Red Dead Redemption, Red Dead Redemption 2, which I would agree with. Um, that will probably be at E3 as well. That's not confirmed, but I think we have a release date on that, so it only makes sense that they would be showing off gameplay and that sort of stuff at E3. So should be pretty good coming from uh, Rockstar Games. Uh, Livy, do you have any games that you are hoping to see at E3 but are not necessarily confirmed? Tell me what it is. I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> Project <laughs> Nova. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, we get that question a lot in the Dust Discord channel. Is is, is CCP going to be at E3 with Project Nova? I'm like, no, guys. Like, They've only really ever done that with their console releases for like Valkyrie and Dust, and that ended so well. So, uh, no, that's not going to happen. So if you're eagerly hoping for some CCP announcement at E3, 
No, it's it's not there yet. If they weren't willing to show off stuff at Fan Fest in April, they're certainly not going to be ready to show stuff off in June. It's it's not going to happen. So that's kind of what we had for E3. Um, I was kind of hoping it would be a bit more robust with uh, Bate and Jay here to kind of talk their bits. But, uh, you know, I, I'm sure we can kind of get their thoughts uh, next week if they're around to, to see what they're looking forward to. But I did kind of want to cover this before we we're rolling into next week, which is when E3 is going to be happening. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, keep in mind that it is June 12th through the 14th. If you're looking for a specific game, um, make sure once we get a little bit closer to check the actual schedule for when things are going to be streaming and that sort of thing. So uh, keep an eye out on that. But uh, yeah, no, it should be pretty good. I think we've got a lot of really good titles that are potentially in the works or we know are in the works that are going to be shown off there. So it's going to be a good year. I'm really looking forward to E3 this year. So one last quick thing I wanted to cover because uh, we didn't do it last week. So the, the free games for Xbox One and 360, um, this is if you are an Xbox Gold subscriber, you get access to these games uh, during the month of June and forth not. So uh, Assassin's Creed Chronicles Russia, um, that is available through the 1st of the 30th, 30th. So uh, all this month for Xbox One. There's also the game Smile, which is available from the 16th of June to the 15th of July. There is Sonic All-Stars Racing Transformed, which is available for the Xbox 360 from the 1st until the 15th of June. And then Lego Indiana Jones 2, The New Adventures, is going to be available from June 16th to the 30th, also on the Xbox 360. Um, let me pull up real quick to see if I can find the PS Plus ones here. One second. Okay, so here we got here. So, oh, wow. So this month for June, um, and this is all month, they don't do the broken up mid-month thing that uh, Xbox does. So XCOM 2 is going to be available. So XCOM is, uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a pretty solid game. So if you like the kind of top-down isometric, like you're moving characters around, like in a tactics uh, turn-based game, XCOM is kind of one of the big heavy hitters in the franchise. So you've probably heard of it. Um, but the fact that it's going to be free this month is pretty solid. So that should be a good one to check out. I don't think it includes the DLC because they're still making DLC for this game. But uh, the base game is still very, very good. Just remember that if your character has a 95% chance to hit the enemy, it will miss 95% of the time. RNG is an asshole in this game. So keep that in mind and trying to break your controller. Um, you also have Trials Fusion, which is kind of a BMX uh, racing game that's also available uh, on PS4 if you're interested in those sort of games. Also, if you're still a PS3 or a Vita user, you've got Zombie Driver HD for PS3 and Tom Clancy's Ghost Recon Future Soldier, Soldier for PS3. We also have Atomic Ninjas on PS Vita and Squares on PS Vita. So I think the PS3 games are going away fairly soon i'll check the day on that one but they they were going to discontinue that sometime this year i think so uh get it while you still can if you're still playing ps3 but uh yeah so that's what we got for both xbox and uh, ps plus for the month of june was there anything else you guys wanted to touch on before we kind of bring this one in for shout outs no okay shout outs let me think um you know i'll give a shout out to the game evolve so (laughs) yeah so Evolve has what? had a um, a long history of uh, not doing so well. So this is kind of the four-player hunter versus the one big monster game that uh, Livy and I played quite a bit, and we've reviewed a couple times throughout its iterations. So that game eventually went free-to-play, 
um and then they uh made like a like version two of it i guess which was like a, a free thing where it had some updated features content that sort of thing the game still never really took off it was it just really struggled it suffered a lot from connectivity issues it struggled a lot from imbalance issues and it just it, it kind of missed the mark which is a real shame because the game had a ton of potential like it was when it was a good game it was a really really good game like when that asymmetric combat worked it worked really really well it's just it only worked like 20 percent of the time so it was a really frustrating game to play because you could feel that there was potential there um when it just kind of missed the mark so i have to give them props where it's due um but a shout out to them because uh they've finally kind of decided hey we're going to be shutting down a lot of the dedicated servers a lot of the support for the game if you own the game it'll still work you just have to go through peer-to-peer matchmaking which is the core of a lot of the matchmaking issues they later try to fix it with dedicated servers but the player base does not really justify that anymore so dedicated servers are going away um i think the newer version of the game is going away so the only thing that's going to work is the classic version kind of as it came out when the game was released, which is not a great game. So the game is not dead entirely, but it's it's pretty much there. So, you know, shout out to Evolve. You tried really hard. You did an okay job when you got it right. But, uh, you know, maybe someone else could iterate on that same formula and come up with something a bit better in the future because I would love to play that game. So good show, guys. Uh, Zell, shout out for you. I give my shout out to. There's an obvious one if you haven't thought of it yet, and it involves a computer part. <laughs> All right, no, yeah, I'll do it. Okay, Asus made an obscene uh, crypto mining motherboard that takes twenty graphics cards. Oh my! Yeah, God. It, it literally they they gave up on having uh, like PCI slots, and you connect your graphics cards with USB three ports to uh, to like riser cards. Um, and it takes three separate power supplies that it divides the, uh, the, the graphics cards power between, um, it's obscene. I recommend yeah, checking it a, out. a picture for that. Cause it, it looks you ridiculous. You, you can't afford it. Just how much know that you can't afford it. I don't know what, I don't know what it costs, well, because but you can't, even if you can it. afford the motherboard, you're still assuming that you're buying upwards of 20 graphics cards to run the thing. And then the power to actually, excuse me, fuel, 20 graphics cards it's expensive <laughs> yeah so get, get a picture in the description for that one because people have to see how stupid this thing looks it's obscene it's obscene it's literally it's literally obscene i thought obscene things were illegal like but it exists so good stuff yeah all right livy you're up uh yeah so my shout out is going to go to the former sony ceo jack trenton who uh teamed up with unreal engine 4 to do a project that's basically going to give indie developers uh, financial backing um, if they plan on making their games for PC first with the option or possibility of moving it on to console later. Um, so they're looking for, I think it's said two to three teams a year for seven years. Yeah, for the next seven years. And then basically giving them a little, little backing because I think they're realizing that some of these indie games are actually pretty damn good. Uh, so no, that's that's I, pretty I cool. That's Square Enix actually has a similar program where they will um, people submit ideas for indie games and they pick the ones they like the most and then they put them up for a vote 
um, on Square Enix's website, and you can actually vote on what game you'd like to see, and the winner gets funded by Square Enix to do kind of exactly what you said, Libby, where they'll, they'll give them funding to make the game. So it's kind of like a, I don't want to say Kickstarter, it's like a Square Enix, or, or in this case, um, Epic with, with the CEO would would provide the money and then you the people who show interest that's kind of their way of supporting it and the, if they get a lot of interest they can you know um produce the game which is pretty cool no i think that's awesome i do like how they pointed out they're like the developers are going to retain complete control of their projects wow <laughs> but i mean that makes sense for epic to do that though because they go hey we've got an engine you can use which is free um, which will get a percentage of your, your earnings if you use our engine and we'll give you money to start your project, which will be free money with the understanding that we get a percentage of whatever you produce. So it, it makes sense for them to support them very well, because so, like you said, there's a lot of good ideas out there. There's some really good developers out there that just don't have the money and may not be able to get a Kickstarter or just need that someone to kind of give them, you know, throw them a bone but can be very, very, very successful. All right, guys. Well, I think that's what we've got for this week. Uh, you know, I appreciate you guys tuning in. Um, I'm looking forward, like I said, looking forward to E3. Keep your eyes peeled for stuff on that. But uh, yeah, so thanks for joining us. If you want to be on the show, you have topics you want us to cover, games you want us to play, do reviews on, let us know. Go to biomass.com and you can you know find our information there and uh, let us know. But that being said, see you next week.